please rise. I want to point out something here really quick before we sing this on page 83, because I, I love how the liturgy comes from Scripture. So right before I announce the gospel, we're going to sing right at the top of page 83, just that two lines. But I want you to pay attention to the words because they're going to appear in our reading today. Page 83. Alleluia, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Jews grumbling about him, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread that the fathers ate and died, Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. When many of the disciples heard it, they said, This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that the disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, Do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted to him by the Father. After this, many of the disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to you that you are the Holy One of God. This is the gospel of our Lord. 
praise to you, O Christ. Please be seated. I love that when the liturgy just jumps out to us in the, in the readings. I've heard that before. I've sung that. Dear saints, allow me to introduce you to a brother in Christ by the name of John Harper. Mr. Harper was born on May 29th, 1872. And he confirmed his faith at the age of 13. And by the time that he was 17, he began to go to the streets of his village and implore others to be reconciled to God. As John Harper's life unfolded, one thing was apparent. He was consumed by the word of God. Soon, Harper started his own church, now known as the Harper Memorial Church. While there, Harper married, though was widowed shortly after, left to raise his young daughter, Nana, by himself. Ironically, John Harper almost drowned several times during his life. When he was two and a half, he was almost drowned when he fell into a well, but he was resuscitated by his own mom. When he was 26, he was swept out to sea by a rip current, and he barely survived. And at the age of 32, he faced death on a leaking ship in the Mediterranean. On the night of April 14th, 1912, John Harper and his daughter, Nana, were passengers on none other than the RMS Titanic. After ice ripped open six watertight compartments and it was apparent that the Titanic was going to sink, Harper immediately took Nana to a lifeboat And kissing her, he looked into her eyes and said that she would see him again someday. Flares launched into the night sky and they illuminated the tears streaking down his cheeks. Harper turned and headed towards the crowd of desperate humanity on the on the sinking ocean liner. As the rear of the ship began to lurch forwards and upwards, it was reported that Harper was seen making his way up the deck, yelling women, children, and unsaved into the lifeboats. And as the ship broke in half, Harper and many of the others jumped into the icy waters below 1,528 people were in the freezing water. John Harper swam frantically to people preaching salvation in Christ before the hypothermia became fatal. 
Harper swam up to one of the young men clinging to a piece of debris. And John asked him if he was saved. And the young man replied that he wasn't, but he was not interested in knowing Christ. Harper took off his life jacket and he threw it to the man and said, Here then, you need this more than I do. Harper swam off to share the news of salvation with others before returning to this young man who then confessed Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Of the 1,528 people in the water that night, six were rescued by the lifeboats. One of them was the young man that Harper threw his life jacket to. At a survivor's meeting four years later, he recounted how after Harper had led him to Christ, he had then tried to swim back to other people. Yet because of the intense cold, John Harper had become too weak to swim. His last words were recorded by this man and were, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Jesus, well, he was with John Harper that night. And through John Harper and his preaching, Jesus was an abiding presence to others in the midst of this catastrophe. How amazing and wonderful that with all of the geniuses in this world, all the famous celebrities, all the idolized sports stars, all of those with seemingly limitless, limitless riches, God chooses to give life and salvation to weak and poor and then uses them to share his blessings with others, just like John Harper did to that man clinging to the debris. We have also been chosen in Christ to be raised up on the last day when we will see our Savior face to face. But until then, He has chosen us to remain in Him, to abide in Him. And to be his hands and his feet, his eyes and his mouth in a world no less broken than that of the Titanic's hall on that chilling night in 1912. So I ask you, how hungry are we for Christ? Not as hungry as he is for all people to share in his life and his blessings, for he gave his flesh and blood for the life of the world. And for us, Jesus says, I am the living bread that has come down from heaven. If anyone eats from this bread, he will live forever. The bread which I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. It's worth Asking the question, and I mentioned this prior to us starting, if you've been 
listening maybe to the Lutheran Hour or picking up our services in Miles City on the radio or, or maybe, you know, you've attended another church service. Why does the Gospel of John for the, th- for the last three or four weeks, maybe even five, in our, in our three-year lectionary, it seems to just repeat and focus on Jesus' discourse about being the bread of life, the living bread from heaven. He presents Jesus as the ultimate necessity for humankind, the Savior that we need for this God-shaped whole that is in our heart. Why so much emphasis? Perhaps it's because it's important. So it's repeated over and over again. We don't need a new angle, but we need what we need has remained the same. And it's steadfast because of our troubles, our fears and disappointments, because of the wrongs of others against us, because of our own reluctance to submit our lives in every area under God's word and will, we need to hear and know that God in love has met our deepest needs by sending the living bread from heaven, Jesus, for us. We need to hear that he meets our deepest human needs, forgiveness, life, and salvation. We need to hear that it is only through him, through Christ alone, that we are and have true life, not just eternally, but in our daily lives, in the here and now. Today's gospel reading proclaims Jesus as the ultimate necessity for humanity and the one who meets our deepest needs. For Jesus says today, the bread which I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. The Jewish people grumbled amongst themselves saying, how is this man to give us his flesh to eat. Then Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the son of man and drink of his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Here, the focus is not just on Jesus, but also well and truly on us, our reception of him in our lives. While the eating and drinking of the real food and drink of Jesus' flesh and blood does carry allusions to the Lord's Supper, these words are primarily about appropriating Jesus in faith. For Jesus says, the bread which I give is my flesh for the life of the world. His flesh is given for the whole world, for everyone, but Holy Communion is the meal that he has given for his body of believers. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in yourselves. And this would make salvation conditional, a law 
on the work of receiving the sacrament. Jesus uses other passages to clearly teach what Holy Communion is. But here in John 6, Jesus uses an almost repulsive language to make the strongest of points to the Jewish people about who he is and what his identity truly is. As Jews, Jesus' audience would have been very familiar with the basis for the Old Testament sacrificial system as set out in Leviticus 17. For the life of a creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. Blood is the life force of a person. If we don't have blood pumping around our bodies, well, we die. And so God instituted the sacrificial system where he could show love and mercy to the sinner while still punishing the sin. A sacrificial animal would be the substitute for the people. Through its flesh burnt on the altar and its blood poured out for the purification of sin, the people could be at one with God again in his presence to receive his gracious favor rather than his judgment. What Jesus is saying is that he is the new sacrificial system. He is pointing to his crucifixion, his cross where his flesh and blood will bring life, not just for Israel, but for the whole world. When Jesus says, the bread which I give is my flesh for the life of the world, and truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink of his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Well, he is pointing towards his sacrificial death for the forgiveness of sins and the reconciliation of humanity and God, being spiritually united to him, clinging to him, clinging to the cross and trusting in him alone, Christ alone. So today's text leads us to ask that question. How hungry are we for the Jesus, the living bread from heaven? Are we content with a maybe a snack sized Christ? Or a sample size Jesus like a morsel on the end of a toothpick offered by people promoting products in the supermarkets like, you know, they do at Costco. Would you be willing to surrender all those things that we keep behind our exterior? All of our hurts. All of our evil thoughts. All of our pride. The sinful coping strategies we have, our bitterness? Or is Christ just an entree or a dessert while we dine on a main course that is the way of the world? What we want, what our agenda is. Or do we feast on Christ in his word, in his everything? 
in Matthew 5, Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Could that really be for us? Absolutely. For in John 6, Jesus explains why that is so. First, Jesus says, whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up on the last day. This promise, it cuts through all of our doubts and our anxieties, all of our feelings of inadequacy, all of our stumbling and our failings. Our life with God is not dependent on how we feel or how well we can keep his commandments but it is dependent on his grace, on his mercy. And that promise is to each and every one of us, his faithful people. All believers will be raised to glory if we continue with steadfast love in faith that he has blessed us with. Second, we don't have to wait until that day when the Lord raises us up. On our final day, Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Trusting in Jesus as the deepest need for all humanity is not just head knowledge, not just foundational doctrine, but it means the personal living presence of God with us. Emmanuel. Jesus speaks in the sense of table fellowship. He welcomes us into his presence. He is personal. He is relational. And he's invitational. How hungry are we for Christ? Ready for just a taste, maybe a nibble? Or shall we feast? Come, Lord Jesus, let us feast. For Jesus says, my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Luther reminds us that we may trust that the body of Christ is present in the bread and that his blood is truly present in the wine. This does not mean that he is not present in other places also. For he is omnipresent. He is everywhere and everything with his body and his blood. For in believing hearts, he is completely present with his body and his blood. For that he enters the heart through faith is is a much greater miracle than that he is present in the bread. Luther reminds us that we find God's presence in the Eucharistic meal because the living word points us there. And that in hearing the gospel, Christ is brought into our hearts, the true Christ. And how that comes about, you cannot know. But your heart truly feels his presence And through the experience of faith, you know for certainty that he is there. We may find Christ anywhere, and I hope that we do. But we are promised 
to find Christ in His living Word, in the bread and wine that we share, in the water in which we are baptized. And as Luther reminds us, as Jesus gives Himself for us with His body and blood in order to redeem us from all misery, so we too are to give ourselves with might and main to our neighbor. May we too be signs of God and his hope, his new hope, his life and love to our neighbors and indeed find Christ there as well. In the meantime, let us find Christ here. As the angel said to Elijah, get up and eat. Otherwise, the journey will be too much for you. Come and eat. Taste and see. Thanks be to God. Hear the word of our Lord. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, whoever feeds from me also will live through me. Like John Harper said, believe on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. May that give you peace. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. May it guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.